Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Golik. It's a fun time during the NFL Combine as we try to dissect everything said by anybody over there in Indianapolis. And we're going to do that now, but we're going to use a truth meter, guys. Okay, so one is a flat out lie and five is the truth. We're going to give you some sound and you can react. So up first is Vikings GM Kwesi Adolfo Mensa on trading their star in Justin Jefferson. Here's what he said. Is there a world where you would ever consider making him available for a trade? That is not something that's once crossed my mind. Um, you got a blue player, blue person. Uh, you try and keep those as many of those as you can. Never, ever considered a trade. Never crossed his mind on a scale from one to the truth, I guess. So flat out lie to the truth, <laughs> one through five. What do you guys think on this one? 
Yeah, I actually believe him on this one. Like a player of the caliber of Justin Jefferson, probably not one you actually mess with. It's fun fodder for us. And Quest, he's probably been honest to a fault at times during his tenure so far with the Vikings. And so I'll say I believe this, Dad, and this one to me seems like the truth. They'd be smart, especially with a team that's in flux at quarterback. The last thing you want to do is if you are going to introduce either a young quarterback coming in behind Kirk Cousins or bring someone in new altogether as a veteran, you're going to want to set them up with the best wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, I'll never, to, to your grading scale, Claudia, I will never go all the way a five because, so I'd say four and a half to the truth. Why I won't go all the way to a five is because you always answer the phone. Always. The phone rings, you answer. And if someone gives you an ungodly, you know, uh, uh, offer for someone on your team, maybe you, you for a split second think about it. But I agree with Mike. I don't think this is going to happen. I don't know why you would. We do have the quarterback situation. I, Kirk Cousins may be back there. That guy has won the business part of the NFL for a while with the extra money that you have as well. But I don't, Justin Jefferson, for how important wide receivers are in the NFL of today, he is not a guy you get rid of. Yeah, I would say with Kwesi too, like he said last summer, they were really close to a deal. They have, out of respect for Justin Jefferson and his camp, decided, hey, we're not going to talk about this a ton publicly and make this a big spectacle. Obviously, it was a frustrating year for Justin Jefferson. The quarterback situation is not what he had experienced so far in his young career there. And so he had to weather a lot of that. He had to deal with injury. And so all things considered, you've got a guy that appears to want to be there. We talked to him at the Super Bowl. He's a guy that also wants Kirk Cousins back there because he doesn't want to have to reset the clock on his time. Very few veteran players do. So I think this gets done. I think the more pressing question becomes, what do they actually do at quarterback right now? We saw the news yeah. the other day that they hired um, Josh McCown as the quarterback's coach for there. And I saw Jordan Reed, ever the content master over at ESPN, one of their great uh, draft analysts saying, you know, Josh McCown was a high school coach not too long ago and coached one Drake May in high school. So having a lot of people wondering <laughs> what the quarterback plans for the Minnesota Vikings are going to look like in the first round of the draft coming up. But uh, I, I do think that becomes the more pressing issue. So Claudia, what else do we got here on the truthometer? <laughs> the truthometer. Next up, we have Falcons head coach now Raheem Morris on the quarterback situation. Of course, he took over for what was sort of a failing season in Arthur Smith. Seven and ten, they finished. That was, of course, Heineke and Desmond Ritter, Ritter under center. So here's what he had to say about the quarterback situation, if, and if he would even be here today. That is more of a credit to the people that were in the building with me still, and some of the people that are not there now. And what they've been able to do. You know, if we had better quarterback play last year in Atlanta, I might not be standing here. And they would have the ability to be talking about those things. But right now, if we can focus on some of those things and do some of that, I think that'll give us the best chance to go out there and win football games. And I mean, guys, you look at the roster outside of the quarterback <laughs> position, and, and yeah, that makes sense. This was a team that was in the a reason in the conversation for Bill Belichick being sort of ready to win games, a quarterback and a head coach away from it. So what do you guys think on this one? Boy, that was a brutal level of honesty for guys that could still be yep. wandering around the building at this point, man. And, and listen, we have no idea. Raheem Morris may have had these conversations with guys. I mean, it's a bottom line league, Dad, Dad right. as you know. They're not going to pull punches, especially for Raheem Morris, who knows, hey, when this goes south, you never know if you're guaranteed these chances again. And so it's an interesting tone to strike publicly. I don't know if a lot of people would necessarily yeah. do that more often than not. And I don't know how you feel about that overall in going that route. It seems a bit harsh publicly, especially coming from Raheem Morris, a guy who is lauded by so many of the players as being a real player's coach in the way that he approaches things. 
Yeah, you know how I am about all locker room talk, Mike, and, and players talking with them amongst each other and clearing air or a coach and player. And you're right. We, we don't know what conversations he's had with Ritter or with Heineke. But I, I agree. I, I, I do not. I'm not a big fan of singling out a position here. You know, I'd say you look overall, we are under five, you know, whatever our record was, what we're looking to do, we're looking to improve. To me, I have never had a problem with coaching answers with with the very stagnant be boring yes okay be boring I don't have a problem with that I know people want to hear the truth I know it's great for talk shows I get all that but give me boring give me cliche answers if I'm a coach or I'm a player and I'm good with it I've always been that way and I always will be so to mention the one position because let's be honest I guess we could say on the other side is the most Players are, are usually pretty self-aware of what's going on, right? And I think Ritter and Heineke right. could both look at what they did and if they heard that comment would say, yeah, I can't really argue with it, but why did it have to be a public comment? You know, because if they draft a quarterback, that's going to be by action saying the same thing basically Raheem Morris said, you know, verbally there. But overall, and I know it's a little thing and it's it, it, at the end of the day, is it, is it, oh, my God, I can't believe he said it? No, it's not. But I, I've just never been a fan of singling out a player or a position uh, like that publicly. Yeah, I, I guess, listen, Raheem Morris is a guy who we've heard testimony from guys who have played for him. Love yes. playing for this dude. I mean, Jalen Ramsey, who was out there with him for a bit, chimed in as soon as this hire got made and said, Atlanta just got, in his estimation, the best coach or if not one of the best coaches in the NFL. And, and trust is gained and dropped and lost in buckets, right? So he's got a lot of time under task with those guys that have shown him the love there. But this is one of those spots there I would always prefer you had our back in public versus that. Because everybody, to your point, is saying that. We can all see this, right? I mean, you look at last year for yeah. Desmond Ritter. He had a half, like if we're using this as the metric, he had a half Winston. He had a 12-touchdown, 12-interception season, the perfect symmetry on both sides between success and failure. We knew it wasn't good enough. We highlighted it all year to hear that from the head coach going in when you'd say, all right, I want to set the tone that I'm going to have our players' backs in public, even if we got to be critical private, is probably more my speed like you. But again, I don't think it's going to bite Raheem Morris in the long run because this is so obvious to everyone. they got to change the quarterback situation. And Claudia, I think a lot of people expect them to be active at the top of the draft because of that. Active at the top of the draft, but I also want to ask you guys on sort of a confidence meter. You talked about how important it is that the players do like him. An issue that a lot of people said with Smith last season was that he's not really using the roster to it as his advantage. You have Vijan Robinson on the ground. You have Pitts. You have London. These guys who can be huge playmakers, but nobody really stood out last season as they were expected to. So you talked about the players liking him. What's your confidence level on him sort of using this roster to it as his advantage, hopefully more so than Arthur Smith did. Yeah, it, 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 it seemed like active sabotage at certain points, especially for Bajan Robinson and everything we knew he was capable of and saw in certain spurts early in the season before inexplicably, especially in the red zone, he just became someone that they put on the shelf. So Zach Robinson coming over with Raheem Morris was a quarterback's coach, I believe, last year with the Rams. Comes from that coaching tree. Young guy there going to be at the helm calling offense for the first time for the Atlanta Falcons. And so you'd imagine it's going to be an offshoot somewhat of the Shanahan-McVay tree 
agree. And some of it is always with these guys, especially with Sean McVay out there. I think the one thing we have to remember is a lot of this is going to be predicated on who you have at quarterback, the offenses that Sean McVay ran when he had Jared Goff versus the stuff that he implemented once he got Matthew Stafford over there doing more of the spread drop back four, four and five wide receiver sets with a quarterback that could push it more downfield. A lot of that changed what they were willing to do. And so I'd imagine Zach coming from that brain trust is probably going to have some of that. And it's going to be largely dependent on, hey, dad, are they going up in the draft and they trying to get one of these young top quarterbacks by trading up in the first round? Are they going to go after a guy like a Justin Fields and try and get him home and use some of the gifts he has in the run game, which have not been something that we've traditionally seen used in a lot of these offensives in this coaching tree. So I am... I'm interested and cautiously optimistic because I believe Zach's a young, smart guy in this league that comes from the right stuff. Yeah, I, I, I look forward to this offense. I really do. Wide receiver, tight end, running back. And do you bring in a, not draft a quarterback, but bring in a younger quarterback and maybe get yourself another wide receiver and really load up on that side of the ball. Defensively, they were right around top 10 overall, top 10 against the pass, middle of the pack against the run. So the defense wasn't bad at all either. Obviously, you need to do some tinkering there as well. But I think it's a nice area for whatever quarterback is going to come in. If you get a young quarterback, a drafted quarterback, you're giving them some pretty pretty damn good weapons to deal with right out of the gate. The cupboard is not bare on the offensive side for a brand new quarterback. And then, you know, like I said, if it's a veteran or a quarterback who's been in the league a couple of years, you can hit the ground running a little more. So, and I think in all of this too, if you're looking specifically, like we have seen no problem for the Rams wide receivers. And so you would imagine, a, especially Zach Robinson, who's a former quarterback himself coming over, they're going to spin the rock a little bit in the air. But I would say for people that are wanting to make sure B. John Robinson gets the love he deserves, remember at the beginning of the Rams tenure, how infatuated Sean McVay was with Todd Gurley as the centerpiece of that offense. And then this past season, look at what they did with Kyron Williams under center and what a difference right. maker he was for this team. This is a Falcons offensive line that was a better run blocking group than pass blocking group overall. So I would say given all of the DNA of the parts involved, we can expect a big uptick for Bijan Robinson coming into next season as year one of Raheem Morris gets started here. Uh, Claudia, let's keep this moving and get to more trade rumors surrounding star NFL wide receivers. Uh, so, Gojo, are you saying I should draft Bijan again? Because I did last season and, and I had to trade him pretty quickly. Ready to get hurt. <laughs> I draft get him. hurt again, there yeah. is no doubt. Raiders GM Tom Telesco on Devontae Adam trade rumors. He says there's no plans to trade. We don't have sound on this because he was very simple and short with it. He's a Raider, he told reporters. Now the question is, do you think Devontae Adams wants to be a Raider with the messy quarterback situation? Josh Jacobs also in this conversation. Of course, you have these two mega stars that really deserve to be on a roster with talent around them. What is your take on this? Do you think Telesco is speaking the truth? And as Senior said, there's never 100% truth to everything because they'll always pick up the phone. But what's your take on this sort of situation with the Raiders in general and Adams and Jacobs in particular? Dad, this seems to be a what you see is what you get outfit right now. I think that's why players have been so refreshed since Antonio Pierce took over because 
it's a former player who deals pretty aggressively into shooting these guys straight so far. We've heard Antonio Pierce and Max Crosby talking in the offseason. We've heard about the Mahomes rules and the way that he's talked about all these things. And so this seems like an organization that's made it pretty clear we're going to be aggressive. And I think that means I expect them to retain Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs. I think they're going to try and find a way. We've talked about it. Josh Jacobs, of the running backs right now that we heard yesterday aren't going to be franchise tagged, he's the one you'd probably feel most comfortable taking a multi-year chance on, given that he's 26 years old, he's a bit underrated as a pass catcher out of the backfield, and he's a guy who's already been incredibly productive in this offense. So I think you're going to see both those guys come back. And to me, then, what does that signal about how aggressive they're willing to be in the draft or in free agency when it comes to a guy like Kirk Cousins being looming out there waiting in the wings, Russell Wilson impending, probably going to get cut here in the next couple of weeks by the Denver Broncos, or what they're going to do at that spot. I think what they do with these two guys, which is going to be re-sign them, is going to go a long way of showing us just how ready the Raiders are to try and go out there and get this thing going now. Yeah, I'd be surprised if both weren't there. I think you can sign Jacobs to that multi-year deal because, again, it's not going to hit you too hard in the wallet, right? It's a running back. I'm sorry, they're still not going to break the bank, so it's going to be a palatable cap number. For Devontae Adams, this is the last year of a palatable uh, uh, cap number, right? His cap number this year is a little over $25 million. So, and next year is when you're going to get into the issue and what you want to do because next year his cap hit is $44 million. The year after that, $44 million. But also next year, his dead cap is just $15 million. So you have a way to kind of get out of that and it not kill you too, too much. The year after that, the dead cap is $7 million. So I think after this year, you're going to need to decide what then what you're going to do. You're going to restructure with him because you can't go in with him having a $44 million cap hit. So it's either get rid of, deal with the the dead cap, or you know try and, and, and restructure it, make it a longer deal to make it a lower cap space. So they have kind of this year to decide what they're going to do. Is Aiden O'Connell going to be the quarterback? Where, my God, you need weapons for him. Or if you're going to bring in a veteran to have him hit, again, I use the term hit the ground running with a Josh Jacobs and a Devontae Adams on your offensive side. Let's put it this way. If they go and make sure that they don't trade, you know, uh, Devontae Adams and they re-sign Josh Jacobs, Aiden O'Connell's not lining up under center week one. I, I just don't yeah, think there's a I would agree. We met him out in Vegas. He's a great dude. He performed very well, especially given his draft status this season. But I don't think the signals that those moves would send indicate to me that you're comfortable with a second-year player who's a mid-round draft pick going out and being the guy that you think can get it done in the division where you're talking openly about, hey, it's Patrick Mahomes. That's the boogeyman that we got to deal with now. And so I think you're going to see a team that one way or another is going to try and pry their guy out of the draft or pry their guy out of free agency to try and reset this thing in a hurry. Because to your point, this is kind of the same thing that the Giants are on right now where you got to find answers to that question in a hurry about some right. of the important pieces of your team. For the Raiders, it's going to be wide receiver, like you mentioned. All right, this gets a little bit unwieldy as we go forward, but for a team like the New York Giants, Dad, it's also that question of, all right, now you got to do this in terms of Daniel Jones, where you're on the last, ostensibly the last year of the deal he just signed that was a multi-year right. deal that really had two years of serious guaranteed money that he's now in the second year of. 
and you've got to mortgage everything. And for them, it's a lot easier with quarterback where, hey, you can go and get a bunch of good weapons around Daniel Jones to help him out. they got to attack receiver. They've got to bolster the offensive right. line. They've got a bunch of needs going into this draft. But your consolation prize is, all right, if Daniel Jones doesn't pan out in the body of that, you get to move on from him and put a quarterback in a situation that got better because of the things you gave him. Yeah, he does. And I, I don't know what kind of offense he's going to have, right? Barkley's going to be gone. Right, the guy kept, runs the ball and can catch the ball. Do we feel they have enough of the wide receiver position? And as you mentioned, help on the old line. So, I think unfortunately for him, uh, we we keep questioning whether he should get should have got a deal or not. Got a deal now? Should he be around? And the the shame of it is for him is there just isn't a lot of firepower around him to help. If you were the Giants' dad. You've got the sixth overall pick in the draft. Let's assume you don't trade up or move or do anything serious now. Would you go one of the offensive tackle prospects or one of the wide receiver prospects with your top pick to help Daniel Jones? I I think in this day and age of, while I still think the tackle position is unbelievably important, we have seen a shorter passing game in the NFL where the ball is coming out. So I think I would go with a wide receiver. We are, think, we are seeing wide receivers make instant impacts in the NFL offenses today. And the glut of really good to great wide receivers in this draft, uh, especially that high, I think might be too good to pass up. So I think I would go down that road. Boy, it's tough for me because you've got Evan Neal there. And it took Andrew Thomas a long time to develop on the other side into a guy who's now uh, looks like he's going to be a perennial pro bowler, flirt with an all pro at left tackle. For the right. Giants, I don't know what they're going to be willing to do with Evan Neal, who was the top pick in the 2022 draft for them. He was drafted seven overall in that season. You could maybe kick him down to the inside because, Dad, this goes all the way back to the Panay Sewell and Jamar Chase draft for me where we had the ultimate meme-worthy debate surrounding what the Bengals should have done at that spot. And it's worked out for both sides, right? Panay Sewell and Jamar Chase have gone on to be incredibly successful, impactful pieces on two high-end playoff teams, one of whom has made it to a Super Bowl already, and the other was knocking on the doorstep before a second half collapsed. But I would always err on the side of protection. I think if I was the Giants in that spot and Joe Alt's on the board, he's the most plug-and-play, day-one ready tackle in this draft right now between him and Olu Fashanu out of Penn State. I would take Joe Alton there. He's a guy that can play, I think, on both sides of the line. You put him opposite Andrew Thomas, you get Evan Neal down inside with a little more space, and you've got a running game that's all of a sudden even more viable, being offset by the loss of Saquon Barkley, and then helping them develop time in a draft that we know is pretty deep at wide receiver where you can get some other talent to help out your quarterback as well. And the Giants are like have $30 million of, you know, to, to spend uh, over the cap, so maybe you get a wide receiver that way, uh, depending. So we'll see. Uh, like I said, in the we, we differ a little bit there in the offenses of today. I might lean to wide receiver because the ball comes out a little quicker. But uh, at that at that pick, you shouldn't be able to go wrong either way. I just think we saw Daniel Jones on his back far too many times last year to start anywhere other than the biggest direct line from quarterback to the people trying to hurt your large, very expensive young man. All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. 
Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Shohei Otani is back doing Shohei Otani things. He went yard, but this time in blue and white. But of course he goes yard in his spring training debut, guys. But apparently his manager, Dave Roberts, didn't realize he's a unicorn. He said, as I'm learning very quickly, he's built differently. But didn't we already know that, guys? I feel like you don't pony up almost a billion dollars without believing that the young man's dip better is better than everybody else's better. That man wallops baseball in a way few people do. Well, apparently some people forgot because everybody got going. Here's the call now. Swung on, hit high in the air to left and deep. This ball carrying, this ball is gone! It is Dodger debut! they've been waiting for that's what they've been waiting for that's also why he got 700 million dollars and now the fact that he's <laughs> not pitching is even scarier because we'll probably see even more of those yet yet at DraftKings he's third in the odds for MVP at plus 650 of course Ronnie possibly running it back at plus 550 then you have Mookie look at the top six though you have three Dodgers which when you talk about the MVP conversation sort of makes it tough we said this with Jason Tatum and the Celtics when you have depth like that and a lineup like that how do you give votes to just one guy it's so true, the the depth of talent on a team that has become baseball's monsters is absolutely going to make that a difficult go, but we also know that's not going to be the metric by which they are judged. Nobody is going to care at the end of the season if one of the Dodgers has an MVP added to their mantle. Dad, this is going to be solely about... Does this Dodgers team win it all or do they not? It is a yeah. binary. And I understand in sports, especially in baseball, that's a dangerous thing. The idea of wire to wire one, number ones is almost something that never happens in this sport. But there is one speed and one expectation for this sport. And if they don't get there, everybody is going to have a field day tearing them down. So, again, we'll go through the list. We talked about it, the Atlanta Braves going into the postseason last year. If they need to close the deal. We talked about the Celtics this morning multiply the Braves thing by 100 for the Celtics of they need to win this thing for how good they are. Now multiply that by another 100 or 1,000 for the Dodgers to say, you want to talk about something where the regular season doesn't matter and it should be a given to fans out there that the Dodgers are going to roll through this in 162 games where obviously nothing is guaranteed. But yeah, this, this is... Uh, this is win it all or be an ungodly disappointment, even though Shohei has only taken $2 million a year of the potential $70 million a year he could be taking. And it, it's when you see players up close, too, it's such a different thing. In calling a couple of games this year for Westwood One, one was in Philly, Joel Embiid, I got to see him on the sideline for a moment, just, you know, a, a quick chat. And it's just like you, you can't believe – 
the size until you're next to them. It's just like watching these guys play basketball. You can't really appreciate it until you're at the arena and you see their size and what they're able to do. And then with baseball players as well, one of the L.A. games that I called, I don't know if it was the Chargers or the Rams, but it was after Shohei had signed and he was down on the sidelines before the game and was over by him. And, and, and again, you look at him and you're like, oh, my God, what an imposing figure he is, not only obviously pitching but hitting, but just as an athlete of the size that he is. So it is amazing what he has done, as, as Cody mentioned with the home run yesterday. He's one for three, had a strikeout, ground out, and do a double play as well. But everybody got what they wanted, you know, the home run, opposite field home run uh, for him. And the expectation is so high for him, though, interestingly enough, basically is a DH, right? That's it. No pitching this year. Again, he'll go through. He just had the the uh, reconstructive surgery in September. So we knew he was going to hit this year. We won't pitch this year. So you have to wait till next year to get him both. But boy, it's just a, it's appointment viewing every time the guy goes to the plate. I guess that's the exciting thing. And we're always talking about this in Major League Baseball versus some of the other sports. But a guy that legitimately is a ticking time bomb. Every time he's up at bat, this becomes possible in a way that's extremely exciting for the viewer. And you're right, Dad. Part of it is he's so physically imposing. I mean, these guys are just built. It's high-level athlete no matter what it is. I had the same feeling standing next to Mike Stanton, the now Yankees star, who at the time was playing for the Marlins when I was in college. He was a high school tight end for my good buddy Dane Crist when they were at Notre Dame High School out here in California. And standing next to the dude, it felt like standing next to an NFL tight end. He was carved out of marble, and Shohei's the same way. He's this big, hulking mass of humanity who produces, I think, what we have to add to the list of the best sounds in sports. Like we've talked about it, the doink off an upright in a football game is a sound that you can just call out from any, but anywhere. It's sweet, it's wonderful, the sound of a huge hit. And I would say the, shout, the sound specifically of a Shohei Atani home run. Because there are other people that hit baseballs. Shohei tries to kill baseballs every single time he makes contact with them. And so I would add that near the top of the list of the best sounds in sports that we have right now. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with that. It's listen, start a baseball season is so much fun. There's always the the different smell in the air and the feel of everything and the different storylines. But bottom line is what we said. This storyline is so much is expected out of Shohei Otani and so much is expected out of this team that it should be a whole hum until we get to the postseason for them. And, and- and it is. That's going to be the expectation for them. It's going to be fun to ride that roller coaster. I've said every sport is better when you've got a big bat. And while people out in Los Angeles are pumped to have more stars and another reason to head out there, for everyone else in Major League Baseball, this isn't quite going to be what people wanted out of the Houston Astros hate tour after the sign-stealing scandal that went on with those guys. But this is going to be, I think, a pretty united front of people that aren't the Dodgers pretty ticked off that right. one of the other big market yep. teams come in and is just trying to buy their way to a championship in a way that's off-putting to a lot of people. So I think we're going to see a pretty united rest of Major League Baseball against a lot of these guys. But you're also going to see some scorned lovers in all this, Dad. I love the story in The Athletic about the guys in the uh, Toronto Blue Jays and the various ways that everybody uh, internalized that saga. Because remember, we had the whole back and forth where we thought for a couple of days, oh, Shohei Itani, he's on a private jet heading to Toronto to sign with the Blue Jays, and it ends up being the dude from Shark Tank. But my favorite of all of that was Alec Manoa 
one of the pitchers for the Toronto Blue Jays who found out that they weren't signing Shohei Itani right before he was going to walk down the aisle at his wedding. He said his dad told him right before he was getting ready to go. And I have to wonder how his wife feels in that moment because I got to imagine yeah. there was a pretty visceral reaction from dude there. Like, you're... You're human. You're a guy on a team right now, and you see this is the kind of game-changing guy that can change the course of our season, and all of a sudden, you're getting ready for the other biggest moment of your life if you're Alec Manoa and getting ready to marry the woman of your dreams. And right before that, like, I got to put this one on dad. Like, you giving yep. him that news right before he's supposed to go and say, I do, that's foul behavior. And I'd be, if I was his wife, looking at my future father-in-law like, dude, how are you trying to do this to me right now? Yeah, I would agree. I think you have to pick your spots with good or bad news. And you guys learned that when you were in college with sometimes some of the news we would have to call you guys with that would crush your day. And we would choose not to do it in certain times. Oh, no, let's have, let's so have this I out right here. With, let's have this out right here. In yeah. college, when we'd be getting ready for finals, we had on two occasions our family dogs die at home. And my parents time released the information. They didn't tell us for like a week and a half because they nope. said they didn't want to screw us up mentally during finals. So we'd call home and looking back on it after, my parents would be super short. I'd hear them <laughs> sniffling in the background. They're trying to choke back tears. Claudia, what do you think as an outsider hearing this, the idea of them withholding that information from us? I think it 100% is fair. I think it's great parenting. And also it never should have been at the wedding because as he kissed his now wife, all he saw was Shohei Otani. And that's not right. Oh, what a visual. You're, that's so, that is so true. I, and I agree with that. I agree with what you said, Claudia, and Mike with what you said. That's on dad. That, that's on dad giving out that bit of information before. Why would you give it out then? Terrible timing. I mean, there's no way he's going to find out while he's walking down the aisle. Is, is somebody going to whisper to him, you know, from the people in attendance? And so why do it there? I don't get it. And he's I don't crying. Get it. That a one's tear, all on dad. A tear comes to his eyes. Wife's like, what, what's wrong, babe? We didn't get Shohei. Not happy. She's <laughs> sliding the ring onto his finger. He's like, this could have been a World Series ring. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans, we feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. 
Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Sr. here. And we said some is great, more is better. There aren't enough Notre Dame grads in the media, so we got to stick together. And that means we get to bring our next guy in, one of our favorites, Jordan Cornette, host over at NBC Sports and college basketball analyst, hoops analyst overall, kind enough to give us some time here on a Wednesday. Jordan, what's going on, brother? It's good to be on with guys that I'm fans of and even better friends of. I'm, I'm excited to be on with you guys. Uh, a lot going on in the sports world, so perfect time to be on. Huh. And you're not <laughs> kidding. Well, I saw you were very fired up the other day. We're getting towards March Madness now. We wanted to have you on to talk some college basketball in addition to a bunch of other stuff, but it's impossible to go through the college basketball conversation right now without running into the passion surrounding the court storming controversy. I saw you fired up talking about it the other day and just what an important part of the sports has been, not only overall, but for your personal history as well, just what this means to the game. You think it's something that shouldn't go away. Look, I, I just feel like everyone wants to be the smartest guy in the room, smartest gal in the room, and provide a solution for things. Oh, here's how we can fix this. Not everything needs to be fixed. Not everything needs a brilliant mind to come in that's not in the arena and say, let's change this, and this is how we should do it. No, 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 no. We, we're already in a world in collegiate athletics where I hardly recognize it anymore, um, where NIL, for better or for worse, rules the day, where Transfer Portal, for better or worse, rules the day, and it no longer resembles the sport that I grew up loving and was fortunate enough to play. And for me, this is one of the purest forms that still remains in the sport. Is there a percentage of danger? 0 0.005. So to keep the inner fabric of it is absolutely imperative to me because we're changing everything. And bigger than that, guys, I just felt a lot of hypocrisy kind of oozing off some of these guys and coaches. Coaches I respect, coaches I'm friends with. But to listen to Coach John Shire pontificate from his ivory tower about how this needs to change, where were you week one when Duke football beat Clemson? And all those students at your institution that you're fiercely trying to protect, where were you on your, on your soapbox talking about this is unacceptable? It's always the coaches on the heels of a loss. Raw emotion, and they decide to, <clears throat> they decide to redirect it to this silly place of we got to end court storming. Could somebody get hurt? Certainly. That same young man or young woman could get hurt at a concert that they're going to if, if the, the, the mob starts moving around in a certain way. I just, I just don't appreciate it because it's a misdirection from you lost the game. And further than that, Kyle Filipowski, I've been in that spot, not as an elevated Duke basketball player where every win probably results in a court storm but I've been a part of them. And what you know as an athlete is the game's over. Even if there's a few seconds left on the clock, get to the side, find an exit, have some wherewithal, have some understanding. Like to me, it's overblown. It's a focus that it doesn't need to be on and it needs to stay in the game. All right. Wow. That's, that's a, that's, that's a heck of a take. I, I like that. Cause I'd like to see court storm, uh, stormings yeah. continue, whether you can tinker with it or not for the safety of a player We'll wait and see. As far as the other thing, that one of the other things that went on last night, obviously that that can't. Texas Tech, Kentucky, you got bottles being thrown from the stands from the Texas Tech side. Uh, their coach getting on the microphone saying, knock that off. I mean, that's something that obviously you got to come down hard on, correct? Yeah, and that should be something that, and I, I do believe, and I'm not certain with every conference, but there's penalties tangibly uh, with technicals handed out on the floor that can cost teams. And I absolutely believe that should be part of it. And, and you know, it was, a, it was a bad foul, but Texas Tech has to be better in that. I appreciate their coach getting up there. But we've seen that before in years past. I remember 
Uh, there was a Jim Beheim moment in the in the early '80s against Georgetown where he got up there and said, "Look, we're not going to do this. I don't care about the game. I'll call the game off if our fans can't behave better." That is criminal behavior. The other one is fans being fans and celebrating with their fellow students. Uh, one I am absolutely for. The other one, there's no place for, no question. Certainly those extracurriculars have been a dominant part of the headlines, but a lot of them have also been tied to upsets that we've seen around the sport, right? You had UConn not too long ago get knocked off on the road by Creighton, obviously the Duke-Wake Forest upset, Arizona getting knocked off by Washington State a couple of weeks ago. Jordan, down the stretch of the season as we're nearing March, where it's supposed to be your final form, how have a lot of these upsets changed your perspective on who you think should ultimately be the favorites that we're talking about going into tournament time? Junior is a guy who's never won his bracket. Feel free to mute me as we go through this and talk about it. Ah. But what I have come to realize is this part of the season rarely matters uh, because it's kind of like the dead period in recruiting. Teams are kind of hit their, their, their fatigue level and understanding that they're gearing up for a second portion of the season. So, for example, a UConn team who had rattled off, I think, 13 conference wins and by an average margin of like plus 17 – they were due for one. Creighton was ripe and ready to bring him there. And Creighton, I think, hit 12 threes in the first stanza. They were fired up. Does that change my opinion that UConn's the best team in the country? Absolutely not. I was on hand for UConn and Marquette. One versus four on a Saturday afternoon merely two weeks ago. And I watched this UConn team absolutely dismantle them. Dismantle them and generate points in every vertical possible, whether it be in transition, whether it be in second chance because they're one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the country, led by Donovan Klingon, whether it be with the three ball, whether it be with Tristan Newton leading the paces, arguably the conference player of the year right there, I believe neck and neck with Tyler Kolick, that team is dominant. Now, what I would say focus on at this time of the year, and this is how I'm going to redirect it to be better with my brackets, watch a little bit of like the A-10, watch a little bit of like the Southern Conf, watch some of these teams that are maybe really good in their league that aren't getting a ton of pub. Everyone knows about Dayton in the Atlantic 10. Do you know about Loyola, if Loyola happens to win that conference? Do you know what Coach Drew Valentine is doing there with that group? Do you know how they play and how their style could contrast beautifully in a tournament because it's about matchups? And uh, St. Peter's coach famously said he's a fighting fan. It's about styles and how they match up. Well, that's a style that's disrupted, but Loyola probably has to go and win the A-10 tournament. They're fully capable of that as they sit there right up top near Dayton and Richmond at the front. So that's what I would caution people to do. Don't overreact because clearly I'm against overreactions right now in this space of time, but go ahead and inform yourself about some of the mid-majors right now. So just a couple minutes left here, Jordan. How deep will this year's tournament be as far as contenders? That's a great question, Big Mike. I, I would say I like Houston a lot. I like UConn a lot. The biggest story for me, and maybe it's because I'm covering a lot of Big Ten right now, but it's Zach Eady and Purdue. Uh, I, I, I wonder if those guards can do enough to carry you. Braden Smith has been phenomenal, but pro-level guards win in March, and I'm curious to see if they can debunk that belief for me. Bigger than that, it's legacy right now for Zach Eady. I truly believe if Zach Eady wins a national title, you have to look at him as a, a easily in the top 10 of most dominant and most impressive college basketball resumes of all time. I mean, he's going to be back-to-back -back National Player of the Year. They will have won back-to-back -back Big Ten championships. Obviously, the stain, the scarlet letter, 
is that loss to a 16 seed. If they can turn this around like Virginia did a handful of years ago and it results in a title, what else does that young man need to prove? Truthfully, he doesn't need to prove anything at this point. But if you can add that, what a ridiculous, rare aired career he's had. It's one of the great headlines that everyone can start to track as we get closer and closer to one of the most important times of the year. March Madness getting going uh, for the men's and women's side. Should be box office stuff coming up this spring. And uh, hopefully we'll get to talk to Jordan Cornette again as we get closer and closer to that. And visit in about your Bengals. Big decisions coming up with T. Higgins right now. I know you're a big all-things Cincinnati guy. So uh, we'll get you back on to talk plenty of that as we start to get some ironed out answers here. All right, brother? Yeah, and you guys know I'm going to be harassing you in July, getting you back down to my hometown of Cincinnati to hang with those Bengals. Loyal supporters of the foundation, I love you guys uh, very much. No, awesome. Thanks, we love you, Go brother. Congrats. We've loved to see all the success you've had here at, uh, at NBC and the great job that you're doing. Go get Big Swole right now. Let's go. Trying yeah. to look like you guys, man. Here I go. There we go. Nice. <laughs> He's out there. Head in the workout. You, well in done. In case you forgot who it was out here getting swole. Jordan Cornette again. Kind enough to join us. Thanks, brother. We appreciate it. See you. Thanks, man. <laughs> awesome stuff there. The all-time leader. By the way, he talked about Zach Eady's college resume there. Jordan Cornette, and I will say it every time I introduce him anywhere, the all-time leader in block shots at the University of Notre Dame. One block shot. I went and looked this up in front of our friend and former Notre Dame great Fonzo Ellis as well. 201 to 200 in terms of career blocks for two of not only the best in Notre Dame basketball history, but two of the best Notre Dame broadcasters in the business as well. DraftKings Casino is bringing you only the best. Classics like blackjack, roulette, and slots, plus exclusive games you won't find anywhere else. I love blackjack because it's a ton like football. The difference here is your hits and doubles don't require any physical pain the way they did when I was playing ball. You can get all of the fun without any of the hurt by downloading the DraftKings Casino app now and use code GOLICPOD when you do. New players get an instant deposit match up to $100 in casino credits when you deposit $5 or more. That's code GOLICPOD only on DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. 21 plus, physically present in Connecticut, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia only. Void in Ontario. Eligibility and other restrictions apply. One per new customer. Must opt in and make minimum $5 deposit within seven days. That's 168 hours of registering a new account. Max match $100 in casino credits, which require one-time playthrough within seven days. That's 168 hours. See terms at casino.draftkings.com slash new player offer 2024. All right, guys, time to finish off the show the way we always do. This, that, the third. Three quick stories to send you off into the rest of your day. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review us. Leave us a five-star rating and try and check us out here live when you can. We're on Monday through Friday, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern on the DraftKings Network. You can also hear the best of Gojo and Golik wherever you hear VEASAN on the radio from noon to 1 p.m. Eastern. And if you miss any of us live, we're our great guests. And thanks to Jordan Cornette, great host and college hoops analyst over at NBC. You can check that out wherever you get your podcast or available right here on YouTube as soon as we get done with the show every day. Guys, let's get to this, that, and the third and start off with this. 
Everybody, once NIL made its way to college sports, did a lot of the same thing, which was ask a lot of us former players, hey, if you were back in college and this had been around, what kind of NIL deals would you have been looking for? And I think most of us played within our weight class where I was like, hey, man, listen, I went to school at Notre Dame in South Bend, Indiana. You had the Martin's grocery stores and that side door deli is where I ate lunch damn near every day. Just throw me a few extra Sammies, maybe a little bit of that stir fry station for free, and we'll call it a day. Jackson Dart. The quarterback at Ole Miss, who should be a Heisman hopeful next year and one of the guys that draft Knicks probably expect to take a leap next season, he aimed a little bit higher. How much higher? Well, front office sports reported yesterday that Ole Miss quarterback Jackson Dart signed the first private jet NIL deal. His agreement with Nicholas Air will provide flight hours on a fleet of private jets for travel, training, and philanthropy here. Dad, is this the best NIL deal that we have seen so far? And why would anyone think the answer is anything but yes? Uh, Without question. I mean, absolutely without question. This is when you can travel this way and not have to go through the regular airport and just hop on that plane. Oh, my, be dropped off at the plane, be picked up at the plane. This, kudos to him. I bow to Jackson Dart to what he has done. Now, what I don't know, how do you deal with taxes on this, right? Oh, God. You're getting paid in hours, which is worth money. How do you deal with that, right? That's a reality, isn't it? At that point... I mean, it, it's really sad between TikTok. I, sh- I shouldn't put, I shouldn't compare TikTok to NIL deals because it's not the same. But I'm saying the age range. It's like the millionaires and the people with a lot of money are getting younger and younger. And I think the internet, but definitely NIL has to do with that. And I think when it comes to taxes, like, does it matter? He's probably making a decent amount of enough money, right? I would, you would imagine, think. given you what would we think. know about Lane Kiffin and what's going on in the SIP and, uh, the way he has embraced modern college football, I would imagine Jackson's not hurting for money. And I'd also imagine this is something that probably comes up. Like, Dad, you've done enough brand deals. You're someone that's probably had hours from private plane companies in the past. And I don't know what your dealings with taxes have been like, but I'd imagine it's not the big worry you have when someone hands you the keys to the PJ and says you get to go and rock with this whenever you want. No, listen, I'm not turning it down. I'm just, you know, just asking the question. And how I deal with taxes is I turn to your mother and say, Chris, what are we doing here? And let her handle it because I have no friggin' idea. Uh, so she does it. She does all the fun work there. But yeah, I'm not saying you turn this down. This is one of the coolest things there is. I'm sorry I brought up the tax issue. Jackson, good on you. Go, I mean, it is a wide range. I don't care where you're going. Say it's travel or philanthropy or whatever, just so you can get on that plane. No taxes on Sammy's. I can't fathom what it's like. I, I say, listen, I would have had people hit me up for Sammy's too. And like, I remember being the guy when I first got to college with a car and everyone was like, hey, you going to the mall later? Can we hit your ride? Like you had people coming out of the woodwork. I can't imagine being the friend with the PJ, oh. the kind of requests that are going to get lobbed at you by the dudes in the locker room. 100%. Oh. He's going to be that dude. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You better, Jackson, do the right thing. Orchestrate the trip to Vegas for the homies. Make it happen on <laughs> yep. the PJ yep. here. You won't, that's team bonding right now. You can probably write that off in your taxes somehow, <laughs> some way. Claudia, let's get to a subject that we understand on this show a lot more. Taylor Swift and Pop-Tarts. Yeah, Taylor Swift baked Pop-Tarts for the Chiefs O-line. So basically, he should put a ring on it now. Uh, but the best part about this is the man who loves food the most on this team, Andy Reid, missed out on it. You know, she likes to cook, so she made the offensive linemen these homemade Pop-Tarts. Oh, wow. So it was over. 
What? Taylor <laughs> Swift yeah. homemade yeah. pop tarts? Yeah, so it was over. She knew right where to go. No, right to go. Yeah, you you did you get one? Did you get the team. Right. Did they give you one? You know, she didn't give me one. I'm like, damn. And the offensive lineman definitely gave me one. Right. You could tell he was a little mad about that. He was probably like, why, why didn't I get wow. one? I want to know what flavor they were. Uh, what do you guys think of this one? T-Swift. Uh, I don't know how many haters she has left because she's doing all the right things. She meets everyone exactly where they are. And it's no surprise Taylor Swift is one of the more researched and diligent artists when it comes to trying to take care of her fans and giving them the thing they want and being aware. And she knew the beef wants Pop-Tarts. I would imagine, I think it was Strawberry Pop-Tart Day yesterday or National Pop-Tart Day yesterday. So she probably leaned into that. It's no wonder, Dad, when we saw the images of the Chiefs and Taylor Swift celebrating post-Super Bowl that you saw the O-line had formed a tight perimeter protecting Taylor Swift in the middle of that club scene because she'd fed them we're very simple creatures man and you can buy our affection with treats very easily i was in the back of that video by the way at encore after the super bowl i i was like face to face watching t swift and kelsey make out it's pretty cool pretty cool wow wow was Did that a better site or was jason kelsey wearing the luchador mask it's a better lucha site for you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the juxtaposition between them like being all cute and he's just being him it was unreal. But yeah, there was sort of like, hey. it looked at first like bodyguards, but no, it's just the O-line. Bottom line is, Mike, I'm with you. You you do that. You bake for a crew. You I don't care if you bake, if you buy, whatever. You get something for a crew like that, that's friends for life. That's I got your back for life. That's knowing exactly uh, how to do what you need to do. So kudos to her. She's she's not making any any uh, whole lot of wrong moves in this relationship as it's one of the most public relationships we have seen in a while. She's doing a pretty damn good job. Do you guys think they make it uh, till the end of the season? Thriving amidst all this. Feel like this is a good springboard into that right now. Travis in his touring era here. We saw him over in Sydney. I do have to address one more bit of Pop-Tart related business before we move on to the third. And that was the ugly comments made by now former and I would say disgraced journalist Peter King on the Dan Lebitard wow. show yesterday who went on that show wow. munching on a Pop-Tart on the way in and decided to proclaim there in his new retirement where he had left us with this great story that he was eating a strawberry unfrosted Pop-Tart and then he does not like frosted Pop-Tarts here. I don't know who hurt you along the way, Peter, or why you would say that with an earshot of young, impressionable minds, but it's probably a good thing you decided to hang it up because if not, we are going to have to run you out of town for this kind of BS. Wow. 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 Embarrassing. I mean, listen, every everybody gets their choice, right? Some people like pineapple on pizza, and I'm not going to say that's wrong if you like that. If he doesn't like icing on a Pop-Tart, that's one thing, but it is awesome. I mean, I do. I'm not going to go down as hard on him as you are, Mike, in, in that sense of it's his opinion. He doesn't like frosting on it. I only like frosting on it. I'll eat it without frosting, but I need my frosting, and I don't I don't toast him either. I eat them raw. Uh, quickly, before we go to the third, put it in the freezer. I know you think I'm crazy. We had this whole debate, me and my friends. It's delicious. Like, it's not frozen, but it's cold. Put it in a freezer. Just just do Ooh. it. Get back to me. I promise you'll like it. All uh, right. I'll try that. Trust me. Delicious. The cookies and cream especially. Uh, I really quickly want to talk about this because it is absolutely absurd. Okay. This happened in the UK. 
Willy Wonka experience. The ad said a universe where confectionery dreams are brought to life, mind-expanding projections, transports you into the realm of creativity. So people paid $44, and they showed up to literally a warehouse that had plastic props, a small bouncy cans, a castle, and then backdrops up against walls that were like the size of I don't even know what, but they didn't cover the wall. It, it looked like that's where you go to die. And people paid $44 <laughs> thinking, uh, our producer Jurgen said it was like the fire fest for kids and there's no other better way to yeah. put it. It's absolutely incredible. The headline, well, listen, the headline way. said it all. <laughs> yeah. The headline oh said it all. It looks like a meth lab. They were right. Like, look at looked that. like a meth lab. If you're listening, our yeah. podcasters, oh, please go look this up on Twitter. There is a woman literally looks like she's in meth lab. And it was four kids. I'll just say this. I'm not here to price shame anybody, but if you thought you were going to get an actual chocolate factory rendering for just $44, I got a bridge somewhere I'd like to sell you because that ticket would have to fetch <laughs> a lot more, as does the ticket to get into this podcast. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.